Welcome back to Read Your Public Library's podcast, Part of the Story. This is one of your hosts, Claire Brown, and today I am welcoming Sarah Spur. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So Sarah and I are going to do a rundown of things that we enjoyed in 2020, even though it probably was not the things that we thought we would enjoy in 2020. (laughs) Yeah, probably not. (laughs) Um, So we're going to do a top five list, obviously, with some honorable mentions, as is our way here at Part of the Story. So Sarah, can you get us started with your number five pick? Uh, So I wanted to start with How to Tame a Beast in Seven Days. I read the series for book club the romance book club here at RDPL. And uh, it was so good. I read the rest of the series almost immediately. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So for readers and listeners that might not be familiar, so this is by Carolyn Spark. Yes. And is Paranormal Romance. Mm -hmm. So what Uh, do you think it was about the series that grabbed you? uh, I just kind of liked there was, there were like a group of sisters and they're all very close knit and they just have such a strong bond and they're very independent. Um, even throughout the book series, they're just very likable characters. And even the guys that they're interested <laughs> in are also a little likable, but it was, it was mainly the sisters and like their bond. Cause they're kind of like a found family. Like they're all orphaned um, girls who have like these magical abilities. So that's what I really enjoyed about it. Nice. And yeah. full disclosure to our listeners, I am the host of Happy Ever After Book Club. I read your public library. I also <laughs> read it and enjoyed it, um, but I didn't go into the other series yet. I don't know why I didn't like look for the other ones yet. And I know you were like super into them. Yeah, they were. They were awesome. I really enjoyed them. <laughs> and you listened to some on audio, didn't you? Yeah, I did. The last two I listened to on audio because we didn't have them on physical or digital. So. Um, I had to borrow them from uh, Audible is where I ended up getting the last two. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> How did you like the listening experience? Uh, it wasn't as enjoyable as reading them. There's something about listening to romance that's a little cheesy. I agree. I also struggle a little bit with romance. Like, we both love it, so it's nothing about that. But, like, it's just, it's a different experience when you're reading it versus when you're hearing it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like 100%. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny. Um, my first, so my top five, or my my fifth pick, how do you, however we want to say it. Um, so I'm going with a podcast, and I'm going to go with the Big Picture podcast. So the Big Picture is a Ringer Network podcast, which is part of my favorite podcasts, which include like rewatchables, for example. So the big picture is all about like the movie business. And as you can imagine this year, the movie business was a strange business. Theaters were closed. New movies weren't, you know, coming out at the same uh, velocity. Um, so it was difficult for them. I think at first to transition to what are we going to talk about every week? And the two hosts are Sean Fennessy and Amanda Dobbins. And they really, I think, created something quite special this year because they didn't have the constraints of like, well, this movie's coming out this week. We have to review it. We have to talk about it. And we have to do all that. But it's also like a deep dive into what does it mean for streaming services to be a big thing now? Or what does it mean that you know, all of these WB huge Warner Brothers movies are coming to like HBO Max in the States. Like, what does that mean for theaters? And what does that mean for long-term sort of like movie community? And they also do like fun little top five lists also of like their favorites from, you know, whichever actor or director. So they're just a really fun listen. I really like their host chemistry and Mm -hmm they're just always they're just always really interesting so I would definitely say one of my highlights for this year and like not that I hadn't listened to big picture before but just them sort of navigating what it means to then now do a podcast because I imagine that they were doing it together and now they're doing it separately and you know they're interviewing people and they've had to completely change you know what they or how they talked about movies I guess and I love movies are you a movie fan Sarah? I am a huge movie fan and like with the pandemic without there being all these new movies to distract me I was able to watch like a lot of like older movies this year so right you can really like do a deep dive into the streaming services or library dvds 
like uh, I've been watching like the alien movies and like Blade Runner and like all these wow. movies I probably never would have watched if it was if, if there's, I, there's something new yeah something yeah. new and shiny to distract you from it <laughs> so, that's <laughs> so so true though and that's what I kind of loved about some of their episodes because they would do these like movie draft years where they would talk about one year in movies let's say like 2012 for example and what were sort of the big hitters and what sort of maybe had longer legs than it maybe first appeared that they would and all that kind of stuff so then you can go back and you know fairly easily get some of the your hands on some of these titles right because Mm -hmm. you have to wait for theaters the library has some streaming places like it's just yeah I kind of liked it I don't know it was it was weird but I liked it if that makes sense yeah so Sarah what's your number four pick what else did you enjoy this year uh so I have a tv show and it was on Netflix and it's called Close Enough and it's an animated series and it's about like millennial parents and it's kind of like how they cope with being parents but in like a really funny way and like there's some like surrealist stuff so like there's some things you're watching it's like that that makes no sense. I don't understand how that <laughs> happened, but okay, let's just roll with it. But it's um, from the same animating um, people who did like the regular show and like some some of those like adults, kids, like the ones that are kind of on the border where like kids can watch them, but like there's a lot of adult humor in them. Right. Cartoons. Um, so they just did their first series and there was only like six episodes so I was a little disappointed but it was really (laughs) good because like it felt relatable like they're it's about this couple who have a daughter and they're living with roommates um because they can't afford their own place and it's it just spoke really to like being a millennial and trying to like survive in a world where it kind of (laughs) sucks Ooh, preach. It was no, actually, it is, yep. It, no, it's so interesting because, like, mo- being a millennial is definitely like a whole identity, right? Because mm-hmm. the media talks a lot about like the culture of the millennial or like the millennials ruined this thing or that <laughs> thing and like all that kind of stuff. But then there's also like the reality of um, the cost of things and student debt and how do you live the life sort of in the same direction that your parents did where they got married and moved out and had children and lived on their own and all that kind of stuff. Because a lot of millennials are in that situation. I love yeah. that they made a whole like cartoon, like animated about it. That's amazing. Yeah. I've was... heard of it. Yeah. It was, it's a Netflix original. It was really good. I enjoyed it. I was really sad. It was only six episodes though. <laughs> Is it a, was it like a mini series or do you think they're going to continue with more? I hope they continue with more, but I think it was released before everything like got shut down. So who knows if there'll be a next season. So fingers crossed. That's yeah, me too. I feel like I need to go back <laughs> and have a look. Why does Netflix not recommend these things to me? I'm prime millennial material. Honestly. I think it I think it's because my husband watches a lot of animated shows. So uh, then it's like, so it's oh you prompts. Yeah, it's like, oh, you like this? So here, here's a cartoon (laughs) for you. (laughs) And you're like, thank you very much. I will take it. (laughs) That's so funny. Speaking of Alien, which you just watched for this first, for the first time or just again? I'd seen it. My husband hadn't. So I made him watch it. (laughs) As you should. Good one. Um, But this year I got into this alien canonical am i saying that right canonical yes uh trilogy by tim levin and it's like a full cast audio drama so the first one is called alien out of the shadows and it takes place between alien one and aliens so and i don't want to like spoil anything for anyone who might be interested but ripley wakes up before aliens but for whatever reason, I'm not going to tell you, goes on to aliens and doesn't know that she's woken up. But the person that they cast to be Ripley, when I say that I thought it was Sigourney Weaver, I like looked it up. Her voice <laughs> was amazing. Like that tone and that cadence of just like Ripley. And well, it was amazing. 
Well, like Sigourney Weaver has such a distinct voice. Like you oh, know it sure. when you hear it. So that's very cool that they found someone who could replicate that. And it's so tied. Like Ripley, to me, cannot be played by someone else. Like mm-hmm. Ripley is Sigourney Weaver. She sort of redefined what it means to be like an action star in Aliens, like the second one. But her voice, who like whoever was cast, and I can't remember her name. It was not a name that I recognized. Just like a voice actor, obviously. And amazing. But it's like a fully casted audio drama. So it's like a, listening to a play. So you hear the creaks of the spaceship. You hear the computer noises in the background. That very like specific like clicking and whirring from like mm-hmm. the old computer um, and just like the announcements in the background or even a door shutting, you hear all of it. So it's like a full, like it's an audio, it's a radio drama basically. And it's amazing. So that one takes place between Alien and Aliens. And then Alien Sea of Shadows does not have Ripley in it, sadly. Um, but it's a really good story also, like a sort of standalone that would take place um sort of just after uh, Aliens. But mm-hmm. the one that's most, and like it's called Sea of Shadows. I don't know if I said that, but it's, it's you know, again, fully casted. So excellent. The third one, I couldn't finish listening to because, and for anyone who doesn't know the Alien story, in the second one, Sigourney Weaver goes back to this planet and the only survivor on this planet is this little girl and her name is Newt. So Alien River of Pain is basically like Newt's story on how she gets to aliens. So it starts with her being born on this colony and then all of the bad things start happening that ends up with her being an orphan alone on this planet. And I don't know, I just couldn't listen to it for that long because I felt so badly for her. Oh no. (laughs) Like, because you know what's coming. So I sort of stalled out on that one. But again, like the production quality, the like the storytelling, the cast, just everything. It's so amazing. So if you are a big fan of Alien or you just want to hear like a radio drama and you're in like the sci-fi realm of things, I would absolutely uh, recommend the canonical Alien trilogy. Like it was, it's good. And you can listen to it. So it's on Audible um, in two different ways. So you can listen to it as like an audio book or you can listen to it as like podcast episodes, which mm-hmm. like I listened to it as both, depending on what the books were, because it was nice to be like, oh, I'm I'm going to go for a walk around my neighborhood. Like this is back in like, you know, March, April, where like walks were like the height of entertainment. <laughs> and uh, it would be, you know, like 30 minutes, like a 30 minute pod um, to continue your story. So you just you'd pop it in and you just go for a walk and then come on back type of thing so I think it works well in both formats plus with the little podcast you get like a previously on type of thing so if you go a couple of days without listening they bring you up to speed in you know 90 seconds or whatever that is exciting because yeah sometimes you like start listening and you're like oh man I have to go back I don't know what's happening right now yeah I have to go back to the beginning of the chapter or two chapters ago because like I sort of remember but not quite like yeah (laughs) Uh, it's it's it was good so I would absolutely recommend it and I'm not typically like um a sci-fi reader and mm-hmm. like this it, this was absolutely chosen because it was alien and because I'm so familiar with it and so in love with it <laughs> <laughs> uh, so getting away from aliens or alien or whichever doesn't matter uh Sarah what is your third pick for us? Uh, uh, so it's a series. So the first one is Crush and the second one is Crave and they're by Tracy Wolf. And they're kind of like a vampire, um, like mystical creature book. And it's about this girl who's a human and her parents die and she has to go to this boarding school in Alaska. And it's about her kind of figuring her way around this school where there's like dragons and witches and vampires and werewolves and it's, it was very entertaining and it kept me busy for a few days. <laughs> I'm so happy that you mentioned this one because um, it was going to be one of my honorable mentions, but so this is like a preemptive honorable mention to the listeners at home. What an excellent readable series, like 100%. Oh, it was so good. And like the second one, like there was a point where I was like in tears and it was, 
like it's it keeps you on the edge of your seat like it's entertaining and it's one of those books where you pick it up and you just want to keep flipping like there it's not a slow read (laughs) which is nice because they're thick books yeah they look like a slog because you pick it up and you're thinking like it has to be what near 600 pages something like that and you're like "Mm, like am I gonna get into this and then you get into it and you're like well that wasn't long enough (laughs) (laughs) and it gives me and like so Sarah and I were talking about this earlier in the year um, because we both sort of got into Crave uh, at the same time. And it gave us like Twilight vibes, but in the best type of way. Yeah, it's almost like Twilight mixed with like Harry Potter because it's kind of like that danger and, you know, it's a boarding school and there's magical things happening, which is kind of cool. And I also think the romantic drama is quite well done. Um, Feel free to disagree. And it it might be because Tracy Wolf is an adult writer, typically, Mm -hmm. of romance. So, like, she's been in the romance sphere, the genre, for quite some time. And I think it shows with how she brings her romantic leads together and sort of the push and pull of the relationship. Mm -hmm. I love an angst. I love an angsty angle. And it totally gives me that. Yeah. yeah and it like it was it was kind of refreshing for a character to not be like so like she's helpless but she's like she she refuses to be helpless almost like she she keeps going and like she she fights but she's not just like waiting for someone to come rescue her which is always nice. yes totally and like on the surface her character looks you know quote-unquote weak in comparison to the others because like she's a human girl and these people are all supernaturally inclined in some way Mm -hmm. so usually that's set up for her to you know always be saved right like Mm -hmm. she's the one in peril she's the one to be saved um but I like that this one sort of flips that a little bit on its head because she's not just waiting around to be Mm -hmm. saved she's a proactive type of heroine yeah which which is I really like yeah (laughs) I mean, sometimes I like it the other way, too. It's fine. It depends on the read. But I think, um, particularly in, like, YA fiction, a lot of times, because Paranormal sort of was so big at the time of Twilight, Yeah. Um, then it sort of fell off a little bit because, you know, taste change and, and all that kind of stuff. But for this one to come back and for her to be sort of what you expect her to be in terms of, like, oh, the human character, you know, quote-unquote, the human character in this, yeah. you know paranormal saga but then it's like mm, well actually not quite <laughs> yeah you know so it, I think it's it's smart writing it is and it's it's entertaining through and through like even the second book like it gets a little tiring but it's still good enough that you can't set it down <laughs> you're still in it yeah and this author tracy wolf so she had her first book come out in spring i want to say march or something like that yeah does that sound right to you um and then her next book wasn't supposed to come out until spring 2021 and so it's an entangled teen publication and they announced sort of early summer that it was going to be fall 2021 it was going to be book two and then next year she has two books coming out to finish the series or to finish the series as we know it now Mm-hmm. I just think, bless her for writing this quickly and for pushing these books out. Uh, so, the, so the second one came out in fall of 2020. Right. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so we had two We had two books this year, and then we'll have two books in 2021. Yeah, which is exciting. Yeah, it's amazing. I love that. Because it's so hard. Like, most YA books, not most, I would say a lot of YA books are part of series which Mm -hmm. is great because if you love a world it's nice to revisit that world but it can be really hard if a year or a year and a half elapses between reading book one and reading book two you almost have to go back and and read book one yeah so and you lose the luster of it a little bit yeah and you lose the momentum Mm -hmm. especially with like fantasy or like sci-fi where it's like there's certain rules that apply to that world so then you have to go back and relearn those rules so that the next book makes sense exactly because you think you remember enough of it and then you're in chapter three and you're like I don't know what happened before. <laughs> like, do I care about you as a character? Not like, so I'm just, I'm so happy that she is so quick, so quick with her books. Yeah. Like, I couldn't be happier. And Sarah, 
read the second book. I haven't read the second book yet. We were discussing sort of the merits of, you know, reading the second book and getting the huge cliffhanger or waiting. So currently I'm waiting whether I'll last until the spring. That's a whole other question because it's staring at me from my bedside table and I just feel like I mean, I, I don't know. If I could go back, I would wait. It was a mistake to read it right away. Because now you're sitting there and someone's hanging in peril. And you're like, and I don't find out the end till March. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, if it's a good cliffhanger like that, at least you'll remember. That's true. So, <laughs> I mean, wins and losses. Yeah. Um, my next pick is, so my, for my third pick, it's kind of a cheat pick, but. I feel like I'm allowed to cheat, so I'm going to cheat. So I have really liked this year direct-to-streaming movies. So either things that came out that were always planned to come out to streaming or things that came out to streaming because basically everything shut down. Right. So the two that I'm going to mention, one was always planned to be on streaming, and that's Netflix's The Trial of the Chicago 7. So... That is an ensemble piece written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, who is the West Wing guy, for anyone who doesn't know, my absolute favorite show on this planet. Um, And it's about the trial of the Chicago 7 is basically about seven activists um, who were all in some way connected to riots around the Democratic National Convention in the late 60s. So there was, um, you know, elements of you know, are the police doing their job? Are they a political organization? What are these people inciting violence? Are they, you know, speaking truth? Are like, so it's, and as everything, everything's in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, so they go on trial um, as though the seven of them organized together to start these riots when really they represented seven separate organizations basically that all happen to be there for different reasons um but it's it's basically a courtroom drama and you get flashbacks to like what happened and how things led up to what they led up to but it was so good like there's no huge named star in it like there's a lot of people that you recognize but there's no one person that's carrying the entire film you know on their own type of thing um so it's a really great ensemble piece and i love a courtroom drama and I love an Aaron Sorkin show. So it's just all, it's all coming together for me. Just lovely. So was, Loved it. So was it based on like reality or is it? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. So it's based on the true story of this trial and these people. Um, I'm, you know, as I'm certain everything, I'm sure liberties were taken. Of course. Um, <laughs> and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it's just such a great acted uh, such a well acted like ensemble piece that I would definitely recommend it mm-hmm. and yeah I, I just don't think you can go wrong with Aaron Sorkin just generally speaking so I'm gonna say that one and then the other one that came surprise to streaming services because it was released in theaters I think early March or mid-March and then suddenly theaters were closed was Onward on Disney Plus oh my gosh I love that movie <laughs> oh isn't it adorable okay so it's about two brothers uh an older I would say like by a few years, maybe three to five years older brother and his younger brother who have lost their dad. Um, uh, he, he has passed away sort of before we meet the family. And it's their quest to have this one day uh, with their dad and sort of what it means. And if you don't ugly cry at the end, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. It's, it's a Pixar movie. So you know you it's all the good stuff that Pixar does I mean I don't think Pixar has really made a terrible movie um but it just gives you so many feels and like I don't know is that on your list Sarah uh no but now I wish it was because it I totally (laughs) forgot about that one yeah so like what I loved about that movie is like there's inert like nerdy references to things like D&D and like if, if you're part of those worlds and you know about those things, you're, you're watching it and you're like, hey, like this person, whoever wrote this clearly cares about that world too, which was really neat to see it. Like something that's usually like made fun of in pop culture to be like embraced and like almost kind of like honored in a way. It was kind of cool. 
Oh, totally. And they're on a quest. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, that's their whole thing. They're on a quest. And of course, like, I mean, the two leads, the brothers are Chris Pratt and Tom Holland, which we all know as Spider-Man and Star-Lord. <laughs> uh, so like, you know, Pixar always has great voices and, and excellent casting. And they just know how to get right to your like heart. Oh, yeah. Make you feel all type of weird ways about like, and most of the movies adapt, like, I don't even know how to explain this but the dad is like just legs <laughs> and yet somehow manages to have like full emotions and yeah it's just it's so strange but it just it makes you feel everything and for it to just sort of surprise just come to disney streaming like disney plus yeah and just be like here it's on disney plus like just watch it i love it because they're doing it for um soul their next movie that comes out they're releasing it on disney plus on the 25th yes yeah so i mean it's exciting that they're that they're doing that i know that there are other implications for people in the movie business but for a viewer i love it (laughs) (laughs) well and then you get to watch it over and over again because you immediately fall in love with it yeah exactly oh like yeah you can go back and be like you know how you have those crying movies yeah where they're like in your back pocket of like i feel like a good cry i'm gonna put in this this or this (laughs) That is definitely one of the this is absolutely. Oh yeah, because <laughs> it's like a it's a feel good cry. Oh yeah, and like so. the ending just it it spoke to me like it was so cute and wholesome. Like you can't go wrong with it. <laughs> no, absolutely not. It's so good. Mm-hmm. So Sarah, an honorable mention. We're about halfway through our list. What would oh. you say was almost on the list but not quite on the list? Okay, so um, I started listening to a lot of audiobooks this uh, last year, and um, one of the ones I came across was the Princess Bride series, and I only listened to the first two, because after that, Anne Hathaway wasn't narrating them anymore, so it wasn't as fun, but um, I loved the movies as a kid, so it was like interesting to listen to the books, because I'd never experienced them before. But, no, me either. I only, I like, I know there are huge book series by Meredith mm-hmm. Abbott. Yeah. Probably from, like, what, the 90s? Something like that. I feel and like it was... surprised she only did two. Yeah, but she only did the first two, which is what the two movies are based on. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> is she a good narrator? Yeah, like, I mean, maybe it's because I'm used to Mia being Anne Hathaway, so wow. I'm a little biased, but I really enjoyed it, and then I went to go listen to the third book and it was someone else and it's like okay and we're done <laughs> <laughs> the magic is gone yeah <laughs> the magic is gone no that's fair um i like when characters or when they have people do that i feel like i recently listened to something now it's completely gone i'll remember it later it doesn't matter um <laughs> so my first honorable mention is such a weird one but i feel like it was an interesting experience so i'm putting it on here so in the spring, um, Sage and I did a podcast, Sage Black and I did a podcast on public domain, things that are available in the public domain, things that you could find online to read for free or to even listen to for free. So as I was doing the research for that, um, I came across a very, very old, and we're using the term loosely, romance novel <laughs> called The Chic by E.M. Hall. And it's written in 1929 and it became like a silent film in the later 20s I want to say 20 so 20 sorry 1923 is when the book came out and I think like 1929 is when the film came out like a silent a silent film mm-hmm. so the chic is basically the worst on PC uh I don't even know how to explain it uh trauma filled um it's very Stockholm syndrome <laughs> it's like oh very, yeah oh it's very a lot but it's also so interesting to me because it's a it's a romance novel from the 1920s and it's sort of a precursor to I think what we would consider like you know the bodice rippers of the 1970s like the flame and the flower by Kathleen Woodyworth or um, sort of anything by Rosemary Rogers in the late 70s or early 80s mm-hmm. so it's extremely on PC there's a lot of things that we would view now as like dubious consent or sexist or like any of those things so if those are triggers for you don't get into this book but based on like sort of just the historical aspect for me as like a romance reader and lover of like 
where it sort of comes from. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I would I would classify Jane Austen as being like you know, proper romance novels as well in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like romance novels as we sort of, like that offshoot that have, you know, descriptive scenes of a certain nature and like, uh, you know, push-pull between two leads specifically versus maybe a sort of cast of characters. Um, so for that purpose, I found it quite interesting it's not something I would read again it's not (laughs) something that I would like unreservedly recommend yeah but it's it was interesting so it's one of my honorable mentions that's cool yeah so what's another honorable mention from you Sarah uh so I have the podcast it's called Sawbones and uh it's the full title is Sawbones a medical history a marital adventure of medical history. And what it is, is it's a husband and a wife and she's a doctor and he's a journalist. I believe he's a video game journalist. So he has nothing to do with medical or whatever. So he's kind of like the common man and she's telling him about like medical science and these, where some of our medical things come from, you know, like the four humors and plenty, the elder and all these like old medical practices that we used to do and the history of them and it's it's always interesting because you some of the sayings we use and some of the things we do you 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 didn't like they did an episode on hand washing and I didn't realize it wasn't something they did right away like it was something like that people had to be convinced to do. Yeah, like it was like controversial yeah. whether or not you should wash your hands. And I was like, this is insanity. Like, how did not <laughs> everyone die? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they didn't have long life spans, Sarah. <laughs> That's true. But it, it's, it's just interesting to hear like what they used for like medical uh, procedures and like what was common knowledge and what was acceptable and like, you know, what it took to be a doctor. Like, at one point, it was yeah, like, common practice. yeah, it was like one, you just had to like open a, a shop and be like, I'm a doctor. <laughs> so, yeah, totally normal, right? <laughs> this is so funny. And maybe you've heard this, but I recently came across a medical trivia thing that I will be horrified for for many, many moons. So I feel like I should share that with you. You probably heard it on your podcast. But did you know that the chainsaw was originally invented to help with childbirth? What? <laughs> no, I have yeah. never heard that. Oh my gosh, that's awful. <laughs> yeah. So like Google it. It's not like obviously the huge modern chainsaw that we know today, but the way that the blade works and all of that stuff uh you know give it a google it <laughs> it takes it takes you a minute to process that information so oh my gosh i would definitely recommend that people have a look at that <laughs> oh gross <laughs> so sarah excellent honorable mentions absolutely but what is your number two what are you recommending for the people um so with everything that's been going on i've been watching a lot of baking shows Uh, one that has particularly stood out to me was the canadian baking show the great canadian baking show uh so it's i think it's originally on cbc but i watched it on netflix and it had the first two season has uh dan levy on as one of the hosts and it's just, it's so wholesome. Like, <laughs> I love more than like when you're watching people struggling and someone's done their baking. So they go and help them because they want people to win based on like their food being the best, not by someone else failing. Which it's is so like non-competitive competitive. Yeah, it, it is so sweet. And like, I started watching the British one because I ran out of Canadian ones. Uh, and it's it's kind of inspired me like I made a gingerbread house this year which from very fancy one that I never would have made if I hadn't been watching uh baking shows but um like it it just makes it just makes me happy seeing other people baking these like extravagant things and like they're so gracious about them because they're all like home bakers they're not like professional chefs so like they do have fumbles and they do fail but like they're always so gracious about it, which I love. 
And I love the format of the show. So the first one is like a, they knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is the technical bake where they get instructions and they just have to sort of figure it out from a very bare bones instructions. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the third one is always called the showstopper. And it's a thing that they can practice at home and they can, you know, try to do their best and to recreate sort of mm-hmm. in the tent in the studio. But it's just, yeah, it's so feel good. Yeah, I love Dan Levy. Oh yes, like he's not in the third season, and it kind of made me really sad. <laughs> so it's like, like the new hosts are fine, but there it's just like he brought this like presence with him that yeah. I really enjoyed. <laughs> oh, that's a good pick, and it's such like a feel good, just like happy. <laughs> like if you're spending some Christmas time alone this year which a lot of us might be mm-hmm. um, that's like a nice feel good that everyone is sort of helping each other and rooting for each other and sad when they don't work out and like mm-hmm. it's, it's such a feel good show what a good recommendation Sarah yeah it's it, it was a great find this year <laughs> so my second one or my number two pick is YouTube and I know that that's going to sound strange because like YouTube is huge and like I understand that but I never sort of like got into YouTube like I would go and I would like you know like watch a music video or um, maybe like something that I missed or if a news article clicked to something or whatever I would like I'd watch YouTube but I wouldn't be like on YouTube do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? yeah Where, like you'd scroll an algorithm and like they would know you and find stuff that you might like and and yeah. all that kind of stuff and but this year, <clears throat> being alone <laughs> fairly regularly, um, I got into two things. Well, three things in the YouTube sphere <clears throat> that I would never have otherwise. First is commentary YouTube, which I didn't know really existed. So basically, uh, people talk about things that you may or may not be interested in. I know so much about YouTube drama now, which is weird because like I don't know any of the players. I just know about the commentary. Um, my favorite channel for that is Smoky Glow. I love fashion hauls. I love watching people try on clothes and make outfits. I didn't realize that I would like that, but I really, really do. Um, the first one that I started watching was Glitter and Lasers back in the early spring um but my current favorite is audrey d loves and she is so cute so she's a redheaded like southern belle of a woman um but happens to have like a full sleeve tattoo she's like she dresses she dresses sort of like how i would want to dress like Mm -hmm. i was doing like business casual all the time but she's so adorable and i love how she presents like her her channel is still relatively small um but she's just she's so nice and when I see that she's uploaded something it's so relaxing her voice is lovely she talks about sort of the pros and cons she talks about the fits of things the materials of things like all that kind of stuff and I just I love her so I can't recommend her enough and then I am obsessed obsessed with CNBC's mini business documentaries they do like little 12 to 15 minute like business documentary deep dives into brands usually but I'm obsessed with the fast food ones that they do they'll do like a deep dive into Papa John's or a deep dive into Chipotle or like Taco Bell whatever I am obsessed with it like obsessed and I feel like they don't have enough for me in their back content like they have quite a few but I just want them to be on all the time oh my gosh that sounds oh, yeah. really good. Like it's um a weird obsession. <laughs> I I love YouTube. Like I've been watching and and listening to things on YouTube for at least since I was in high school. And like you kind of find like your niche and you can like you find one creator uh, and you can usually like oh they collab with someone else and then you find all another person who's in the same sphere. So like I really enjoy um, like I listen to like environmental, um, uh, people who talk about like living sustainably and like what you can do to help the environment as one person or like, um, on the opposite end, I love like, like there's lots of drag queens on YouTube that are, do like their full face of makeup on video. And like, I'm never going to paint my face that way. But it's just no. so the transforming from like 
carving their cheeks in and like moving their eyebrows and pretty much like sculpting a face with nothing but makeup. And it's just so entertaining to watch. And like some of them talk about different things while they're doing it, or they're talking about the techniques and like, I can waste hours on YouTube. <laughs> it's, well, it's like, it's company. Yes. <laughs> like you can listen to someone or you can watch something that you're interested in or maybe had no idea you were interested in, but then you feel like you connect with these people because they're not necessarily like quote unquote famous people. Hmm. Like they certainly weren't to me. Like they might be famous in, in other communities, but it's just like, oh, I like that person. I like how they're talking. I, it feels like they're in the room. Like mm-hmm. it's just... It hits me differently. And I was just like never a YouTube user before. And now I think that's what I spend most of my watching time is something on YouTube. Well, yeah. And like, it's it's really cool because like, even just like talking to people like Sage and I were talking about makeup videos and she was telling me about someone she watched who she does her makeup and tells like, Uh, a murder story so she'll talk about like a true crime that has happened while she's doing her makeup and like those are such converging ideas it's so interesting that you can like only on youtube would you find something like that yeah the creativity of like real people people Mm -hmm. are just set up in their houses to do whatever and like yeah some of them hit it big and start making you know big money and all that kind of stuff but some people are just excellent regardless and you watch them and you're just like you are a person that I would like to be friends with in real life yeah you live very far away from me so I'm just gonna watch your content and it's gonna spark an idea in me or it's gonna have yeah spark a conversation with a friend or a co-worker or yeah yeah like YouTube is amazing and I feel like I slept on it I feel like I did (laughs) (laughs) it's a good choice though I'm glad you picked it. It's a very broad choice. It's a broad <laughs> choice. But I just feel like because it's, it really revolutionized my watch habits mm-hmm. this year, I had to mention it. I had to. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, what's your number one pick? We're down. We're down to it. Okay. Number so one. for me, my number one uh, pick this year is a book. Um, it's a book series again. So it's the Bromance Book Club. But specifically... <gasps> My favorite one was Undercover Bromance this year. Nice. So the author is Lisa K. Adams. And uh, it's about a group of professional athletes who they all read romance novels so that they can better understand women. And it's a little cheesy, but... uh, But it's so sweet. It is. It's very sweet. (laughs) And um, the second book is about... Um, this almost like a hot shot like he he's a ladies man through and through like he, he loves romance like you, you're not really sure why he's in the romance book club in the first book but in the second one you're like you're rooting for him because he falls <laughs> in love with one of the girls and she automatically hates him which is fine that makes for the best <laughs> romance where they like Absolutely. find common ground and then they eventually fall in love which is always the most exciting agreed (laughs) I love that trope a nice enemies to lovers yes love it I'm down for it Mm -hmm. so it's currently three books yes I haven't read the one yet no I should bring it for you I have it (laughs) the library has it on order but I mean (laughs) There might be some time over Christmas, Sarah. I'll bring it for you tomorrow. Ooh, it's exciting. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love, like, I often think about that too, because like, typically speaking, women are reading romance, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's not usually um, a sort of cisgender white man picking up a romance book and reading it. Like, I mean, that is, that is not necessarily the market they're going after, but I love it. And I love the idea of like sharing books too. Mm -hmm. Like if I really loved a romance and I wanted my partner to read it, I would want him to read it with like, you know, open, open arms. Do you know what I mean? And not like prejudge it. And I think that's, what's so cute about these books is that they're, not just like oh wow we'll read these like you know quote unquote trashy romances and we're like 
whatever they're really trying to like find something and help each other and and like (laughs) all that kind of cute stuff well and like in the second book they they're all getting together and they're trying to pick the next book and like they all have their favorite genre of romance so the lead character in the second book he loves suspense romance so he's trying to convince the group that they need to read this spy thriller because not romance isn't just like historical romance or like uh teens like there's all there's a huge genre of romance and you could probably find something for anyone to read if they're willing to go into it with an open mind absolutely Mm -hmm. and yeah that's what i love it and it's like it's contemporary romance it's fairly light um it's a they're quick reads but they they're so feel good yeah yeah like you can't you can't leave one of the bromance book clubs and and be sad yeah and like their name is cute too I'm giving them bromance as as a cute name I'm totally down for it it's just it's so cute and I love (laughs) like the cover because they're all like this like cartoony cover that because a lot of romance novels have that like the half naked guy where you yeah. neck down, no face. They're like, yeah. I don't want, I don't want a bare chest on my book. That's not, that's not what I need. Like, I know I do like the cover, the cover redesigns where it's like, yeah, some animated, something cute from maybe a scene from one of the books or whatever. Because I agree. I think it's strange that romance sort of veered into this like half naked, no head yeah. torso. Well, and like, young, like young adult was doing it there for a while, but like, it wasn't like, bare naked but like the no head like just shoulder on a book cover and I was like I don't understand what the artistic (laughs) lead is with this like is there a point am I making something (laughs) I don't know totally totally I know like not that I don't love um you know half naked romance (laughs) but like it's so bizarre to me that that became sort of the go-to yes for every single romance cover particularly from a certain time so I do like this new like sort of animated colorful like they're pretty covers I like yeah like they're pretty I like them yeah and I I don't have to hide it behind another book when I'm reading it in public (laughs) I mean I'm all on board (laughs) (laughs) so my pick will not come as a surprise to you for my number one I'm sure it's Hamilton oh my gosh <laughs> yes <laughs> so Hamilton came out to streaming in I think July on Disney plus yes and like obviously it's been around for a number of years and you know tickets were extremely hard to get and you know it was it was famous and I never really cared about it that much before I was like okay like it's interesting but okay um and then they did some like lead up stuff to it releasing on Disney plus. Cause originally it was supposed to also release in the theater. Mm-hmm. And so they did some, you know, lead up stuff. And I was like, Oh, well, you know, like maybe no, I'll, I'll watch it. Why not? Like I'll watch it. It's, it's here on Disney plus. I'll watch it. Oh my <laughs> word. I started an obsession that I don't know that I was prepared for. Um, so I just rewatched it again on the weekend when I was wrapping Christmas presents. And so I've probably seen it all the way through and it's long. It's like what, two and a half hours. Uh, so I've probably yeah, something. seen it yeah probably seen it now seven times oh my it god seems like too many times and as my co-workers will attest I am constantly listening to the Hamilton soundtrack at work um <laughs> I I love it I love the performances I love I love people's talent like watching them sing and act and you know, do all of that is amazing. Listening to the soundtrack is amazing. Like, I just, I can't believe that people are this level of talented. It's just, it's mind boggling to me. Oh yeah. It's so good. Like I've seen it twice on my own. And then actually this past week I made my husband watch it and now he's walking around listening to the soundtrack too. So (laughs) I've created, they are. And like, (laughs) I, I will be like randomly shelving something and I'll start humming the room where it happens. Like that song is always like seconds away from being sung by me because it's just always in my head now. <laughs> it's so good. The soundtrack is so catchy. It's so mm-hmm. like the play itself, the musical, like it's just, it's so heartfelt um, mm-hmm. in different parts. Um, I know that there's a lot of, sort of controversy surrounding founding fathers and 
and you know historical context but as a piece of work itself it is a huge achievement to <laughs> have such a cast and to have such like excellent songs excellent score and just mm-hmm. I think the original cast and I I'm sure whomever's in the roles now are lovely as well because the, the source material is so excellent but you know Leslie Odom Jr. is a revelation um the woman that plays Angelica Schuyler I think her name is Renee something oh I don't know but I she see, is I see well, she's, she's wonderful amazing. oh my gosh the power of her voice is unreal and like the emotional depth of the woman who plays Eliza Hamilton it's like she mm-hmm. gets me crying a couple of times in the yeah. second half you know like it's just it's so great and David Diggs plays two different characters he plays Lafayette in the oh. first half and he plays Thomas yes. Jefferson in the second half and he is he's a, a scene stealer he's just amazing like but the cast all amazing so talented and like, I'm so happy that I talked myself into watching that because I was just like, oh, I'll watch it because everyone's going to be talking about it. Mm? Turns out I'm everyone. <laughs> it turns out I'm everyone. And I will well, never stop talking about it. <laughs> well, and like, it's it's so interesting because like, I had heard some of the songs before because I have a little sister who's obsessed with musicals and she would listen to the soundtrack. And I'm like, oh, like you know, it's okay. But like, I'm the kind of person I don't enjoy listening to the music of a, a musical without having seen it first. The context, yeah. Yes. So like the songs were like, I already knew some of the songs going in, but then to see where they were and how they fit into the story, it was so good. Yeah. And like King George, watching King George oh, slowly Jonathan, go mad. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> it was it was just it was so good I really I really enjoyed it it was it was the best musical I watched this year oh for sure I can't wait to (laughs) it's on DVD so that the library can have it I'm sure it's going to be extremely popular um Mm -hmm. so I'm hoping sometime in early uh 2021 we'll be able to order it I keep I keep my eye out for it you better believe (laughs) so like that would be amazing I would like, I'll, I'll love to have it as part of our collection. I'm just obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> um, so before, right before we get into the reading, watching and listening, as we love to end our podcast, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a fun top five with you. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. And I will also mention that Sarah and I did this as a return to quarantine potting. We are in separate locations. That's why our podcast might sound a little different than it has sounded in these past few weeks again. Um, But thank you all for joining us. So without any further ado, Sarah, what are you reading, watching, and listening to? Uh, So right now I am currently reading The 12 Days of Lillian Dash. I've read the other two books out of order, apparently. I didn't realize. (laughs) I went to go put them in Goodreads and I was like, oh no, I read the last one first. (laughs) So um, I'm really enjoying it. It's just like this cute little story about like a couple in New York and how um, one of them really isn't quite feeling Christmas. So the other one's trying to like cheer her up by by reconnecting her with Christmas because normally she's the person who's always surrounded by Christmas. She's the person who bakes all the cookies and waits in line to go shopping or she's just a very Christmassy person. And this year she's just really not feeling it. So it's, it's it kind of fitting this year. Do you want to know hilariously? So normally we would do reading, watching, listening each, but I have to do my reading right after you because you know what I'm reading? What are you reading? I'm reading the third one. I'm reading Mind the Gap. <laughs> I, I just finished that this weekend it was so good <laughs> I started it last night I'm like halfway through so it's written by a pair of authors Rachel Cohn and David I think it's Levithan and that's just so funny <laughs> so I'm reading basically the same as what you're reading and I also haven't read the one you're reading I read the first one and now I'm reading the third one and then I guess I'll go back to the second one so I mean, one of those series that I guess it doesn't really matter. No, like they catch you up in the beginning of the third one about what's gone on in their lives. But like this is the year between the two books. So it was really good. It's really good so far. It's so funny. What are you watching? <laughs> uh, right now I'm re-watching New Girl. Um, 
it it's like an NBC show and it has um oh what is her name um Zoe Deschanel thank you Zoe Deschanel and she lives with three roommates and it's just about like their awkward adventures in Los Angeles and my favorite character is Nick and he's <laughs> just like this grumpy old man in like a 30 year old body and he just He's so grouchy about everything, but he always comes around. And I, I just kind of love that about a character. <laughs> and what are you yeah. listening to? I am listening to My Favorite Murder and The Bald and the Beautiful, which are both podcasts I really enjoy. And I listen I'm to them all. I'm listening to Bald and the Beautiful. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, we're, too, we're too similar today. How I'm hilarious. So- I love it. So tell the audience a little bit about My Favorite Murder. Uh, So My Favorite Murder is a podcast about two women who enjoy uh, true crime and like true crime stories. And every week they tell each other a story, uh, a different story about um, a true crime that has happened. And they they just kind of have like this personality behind it like they they don't always get the facts right but like the it's always entertaining to listen to and you can tell they genuinely care for each other and they they enjoy having a conversation together because the, it's always interesting I swear they could be talking about painting walls and I'd probably be on board <laughs> well it's, it's just their friendship and their way again like what when podcast hosts have that chemistry you just you mm-hmm. feel like you're in the room with them and you're just along for the ride and that's <laughs> amazing I love that and since Sarah stole mine I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> I'm also listening to the bald and the beautiful uh it comes out every Tuesday morning and I listen to it while I'm getting ready for work and it has Trixie Mattel and Katya Zomolajakova who are from RuPaul's Drag Race season seven originally, but have done so much since then. Trixie has a channel on YouTube that I love watching as well. And so they just talk about um, like things in the beauty industry. They have interviews, they've had some drag queens on, they've had some, last week they had the CEO of Sugar Pill Cosmetics. And I found that one to be really interesting. Um, But they're just, they're so likable. Again, great chemistry. They do a lot of things partnered and you can just tell that they they really have a good friendship and and great chemistry and I love them so much and then out of order what I'm watching to end us off today well see I was gonna say Chernobyl because I rewatched it over the weekend and I just think that it's such an achievement I find it to be fascinating and heartbreaking and interesting and just all of those things but then I thought that's a bit of a downer to leave <laughs> to leave the tone on Chernobyl um so a co-worker of ours who uh mentioned this in her year-end wrap-up so if you want to go to our Instagram at Red Deer Public Library and find our year-end wrap-up there um our co-worker Alyssa loaned me her DVD set called The Tenth Kingdom and I'm only about a third of the way through. Um, and it's about, so this young woman and her dad live in an apartment in New York. This takes place about 20 years ago. Um, so like the show itself is about 20 years old and they're, you know, living their normal life. She's a waitress. He um, fixes the building. I think he's like the superintendent of the building and they're just like normal lives. And then they sort of get sucked into this fairy tale world that has like, sort of um you know in in their past they had snow white and they have the evil queen and you know all of these magic and all these things so i'm about third of the way through it it's interesting because it it is very of its time um so like some of the things again are things that you wouldn't see on network tv now um some of the things that like the male characters say to the female characters or that sort of thing and i did find Uh, the first bit a little bit hard to get into because I didn't really care about the scenes in New York once they got to sort of the uh, fairy tale kingdom part of things um, Mm -hmm. it's really picking up for me so I will finish that uh, this week and eventually we'll be able to do interlibrary loans again once the world opens up for the second time so I would definitely recommend um, if if you're into that, I think it's a Hallmark Channel original from 20 years ago, like a miniseries. So it's it's 
old, um, but it's quite interesting. And I'm, I'm really glad that she loaned it to me. It's definitely, it's definitely my vibe. It sort of gives like Stardust vibes if like Stardust were a mini series and like, you know, 20 years older. <laughs> Stardust, that was the Neil Gaiman. Yes. yes. So the book that was turned into the movie with Charlie Cox and uh, Claire. Oh, uh, yes. Very good movie. <laughs> yeah, I love that movie. And it sort of gives me that vibe because it's like this fairy tale adjacent, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I am enjoying it. And I thought it's a better one to leave you on than Chernobyl. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a little happier. <laughs> right? It's a little more Christmas vibe. Yeah. <laughs> So once again, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me. What a fun top five this was. And we want to wish everyone happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and a great new year. And we will see everyone in 2021. Bye, guys. Bye.